There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. And helping us move from awareness to action this week, Zach Ferris, the CEO of Coplex. Welcome, Zach. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Coplex is a venture builder that partners with industry experts, entrepreneurs, corporate innovators to start high-growth tech companies. They've started over 50 companies since 2017. I bet that number's bigger than that today. Been featured in USA Today, The Washington Post, VentureBeat, Forbes, NPR, Entrepreneur, and now finally, the Figure It Out podcast. <laughs> I love it. So, Zach, uh, Centauri and I have this awesome idea for a what we would consider a high-growth tech company. We come to you. You love it. How, how, how do we get started? Yeah, so a um, couple, couple different ways that it typically happens. We've got um, probably three types of individuals that we work with. So, so oftentimes we get some what we call founder operators that come into Coplex with, with a concept for a high growth tech company that they want to start on their own and run themselves. Um, second group would be a small business an SMB that comes to us and they've got innovation ideas on the shelf and never have time to go tinker with them because they're, they're busy running the business that they run every day. And for them, we, we help them spin it out of the organization, place a CEO or an operator and get it started. And then similar, similarly for the larger enterprises, we'll oftentimes do multiple spin out companies per year to rapidly commercialize some of their innovation ideas for which we would typically place a CEO to run. So if you guys had a great idea for a tech company and came to us today, I think one of two things that we would do, one would be let's, let's go see if we can match it with one of our corporate partners for which we could uh, lean on to get some funding for the concept. Or um, if you guys have, um, have the business, business plan ready to go and have some funding sources lined up to get some things started with the business. We could, uh, we could, we could run it through the Coplex venture builder program directly. Nice. Okay. Well, let's assume that Centauri and I are both flat broke. We got no money. <laughs> just, just a really, <laughs> just a really great idea. And to be so, clear, this is more aligned right. with reality. So let's go, <laughs> let's go further with this. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, that's, you know, it's, it's tricky. Most of our, uh, most of the operators that we work with, they're, um, uh, what we call industry experts and they're usually bringing a, at least a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, um, dough to the table as well. It's, uh, okay. it's it takes some money to, to get some startups off the ground, but oftentimes we can get a corporate, uh, we, if, if there's a match with one of our corporate partners, sometimes we can get the ideas funded from the corporates that we work with. Um, but even in those cases, the corporates we work with typically like the operators to, uh, um, if not bring some capital, at least bring a, a full-time plus commitment to, to building the company through the venture builder program. Um, so they, um, you know, so the, there, there are some different options, but typically the, uh, the companies that we're working with have, uh, have some, at least access to some capital to, uh, to get the startup off the ground. Zach, maybe, maybe it would be good for our listeners to just do some level setting of kind of what pain point 
you were trying to um, get ahead of when you started Coplex and then kind of what's your scope of work. So for not only folks that are mm -hmm. listening that are looking to say like start a venture or um, get a venture even to level up, just kind of give us the scope of what Coplex does. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the the problem, if you if you think back to the the origination of the problem, the uh, co the company Coplex, we've been around since 2000. Uh, for the first 12 years of our um, of our of our early early childhood, we were in the uh, digital in the digital innovation space. So we were essentially a fee for service agency doing innovation projects for um, individual entrepreneurs all the way up to the the largest of the Fortune 100. Um, so we've and the DNA of the company has always been in in sort of the innovation in the innovation world. And when um, I was actually a hired CEO in 2012 and took over the company, and we had a, a goal really in 2012 to transition the business model away from a fee-for-service model to a model where we could actually um, build an equity portfolio of the innovation projects that we were spinning up. As we, I think we pretty quickly realized that the, the real value in innovation isn't in the um, you know the the products and the widgets that we're building and and trading dollars for hours to build things. Um, the real value in innovation is is building equity value in the assets. So we um, in 2012 started to shift that business model and the market need that we that we saw out there, um, at least in the early days, was there's uh, a lot of startup in incubators and startup accelerators around the world that support typically um, technologists. Uh, entrepreneurs, younger entrepreneurs, and they they come in and and uh, essentially solve for some of the the business knowledge and know-how to help these technologists take their products and solutions and turn them into into you know, venture backable companies. And the opportunity in the market that we saw was well, what about all of these industry folks? There's um, small and mid-sized businesses uh, as well as large enterprises that know their inter that know their domain really well. Um, they're probably not technologists, and there's a lot of you know, these industry experts that are in traditional industries that that can can see ways to solve problems in their space using technology. And the incubators and accelerators that were out there were really built for the technologists, not necessarily the industry and business folks. So we saw this you know, even in the marketplace to go build a kind of a structured program startup incubator accelerator model. Um, that, that can work alongside traditional industry business people to help them start high-growth tech companies rather than just the, um, the technologists. Got it. Nice. Okay. Um, and I'm just can, – can you give me an example? Would, would a technologist be the person who, who invents a new thing like, like Uber or, or Facebook, for that matter, versus somebody who works in, in healthcare, who is maybe a full-time nurse or doctor, and they see a, a major innovation. Mm -hmm. Would that be an example, or can you give me a better one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think uh, um, it is. I'll give you a, a I think a, a really recent example. We've we built a company uh, last year inside of Coplex. Uh, Coplex called Quick. It's Q W I C K dot com. They're an on-demand staffing platform for the food and beverage industry, and they um, they started the, the the founder operator of of Quick is someone that's uh, his name is Jamie Jamie Baxter. Jamie's got um, I think prior fifteen maybe twenty years of experience in human capital management, 
So he's not a um, he's not a coder, and he's not in his twenties living in San Francisco somewhere. He's living <laughs> in Phoenix. Re- recent relocation from San Diego. Spent time at one of the largest human capital consulting companies in the world. Knows the space of human capital really really well, and he saw this market opportunity um, to to fill a staffing gap in the food and beverage space. Started quick, and um, his biggest competitor is actually a graduate of Y Combinator, the probably the most successful Silicon Valley startup accelerator, and one arguably the most successful startup accelerator in the world. Uh, there's a company that came out of um, the uh, Silicon Valley Y Combinator incubator that was founded by a, um, a group of younger, uh, more technology-oriented you know, coders. So software engineers and developers and designers, not uh, business folks that have 15, 20 years of experience in human capital, solving the same problem, uh, attacking it from a slightly different perspective. Jamie's coming in with the industry knowledge, know-how, and understanding, and the you know the the San Francisco company coming in with a deep understanding of how to build software, but right. not so much on the human capital side. So that's probably a good example of the types of folks that we work with. Got it. And that's a perfect one because they're actually, Jamie was on the podcast and I think Centauri was about to say that. So, oh. Yeah, we had him on. Better um, yet. A yeah. Couple, yeah, yeah. And it was great to hear. Really well done. <laughs> um, and Zach, one of, the, one of the things that I know that you all are working on, which is a really cool initiative, is kind of this, um, and I'm sure you have a different word for it, but entrepreneurship within organizations. Can you talk a little bit more about right. how it's not just startups, but established companies that are trying to innovate an idea within that don't have the, um, mm-hmm. that don't have the, the resources. I think it's really interesting that big brands that we would think of still need help figuring out even within those organizations, how to move something along and how you guys come in and help build the framework for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So these, these, um, big old stodgy traditional organizations have some real, what we call unfair advantages that they can bring to bear if they, if they um, play in the innovation space. So a lot of them have, they have customers, they have relationships, they have contracts, they have capital, they have people, they have plenty of ideas, uh, a deep understanding of the problems in their, in their industry. So they, they bring a lot of these really interesting unfair advantages that can help, um, help in the early stages of, a, of building a startup company. So um, we essentially help them unlock some of those unfair advantages at the earliest stage. So a lot of these, um, both SMBs as well as large enterprises are starting to do uh, corporate venture capital where they're making investments in startups within their sector um, and, and building in commercial agreements and strategic partnerships with them. Um, a lot of them have, have done kind of corporate mergers and acquisitions activity where they're buying up technology companies in their sector. And we're essentially giving these uh, SMBs and enterprises a, a platform to take ideas from the entrepreneurs within their organization, spin them out of the organization and start them up and uh, in a relatively structured framework. So the, the, um, the entrepreneurs, in some cases, they'll actually step in and take a sabbatical from their day job. And for nine to 12 months, they'll run, uh, run this run the concept that they, they thought of through the Venture Builder program which is essentially sponsored by the, the parent organization and they can still get a piece of equity upside in the business. They don't have to raise any capital for the business and uh, it gives them an opportunity to go be a startup CEO. So that's um, some, one of the interesting things that we're doing with uh, 
with the corporates. Very cool. Very nice. Because that makes a lot of sense. All right. So Coplex was started in 2000, 2000, and the business model initially was more of a fee-for-service, trading time for money. You came on as CEO, and there was a recognition that that wasn't the model. I think that definitely makes sense. Um, that 12-year period today, I, I hear when I'm paying attention to it, I hear things like it's important to fail fast. Um, what are your thoughts on that idea? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's important. It's a it's a real core tenant to not only how we've built Coplex, but how we how we build the companies that come through the program. Uh, we like to fast and fail cheap. Uh, I think cheap is probably the the keyword. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> we, um, we we made a you know, we let's say we made a pretty large, pretty drastic shift in our business model uh, back in 2012, 2013, early 14. Uh, to move away from the kind of fee-for-service model into the this vent, you know, structured venture builder model that we have today, and uh, we uh, we definitely got some things wrong. Much like an early stage startup would, we uh, we had a lot of assumptions that we made around our business model pivot that we um, when we actually took it to market, we realized we we got some stuff incorrect, and uh, we probably could have done better at using our own advice on this and maybe pivoted a little bit quicker once we started getting feedback from the market. Uh, but we, I mean, it, things got pretty, pretty bad for a couple of years in the, in the transition, it was a really tough pivot. And we, uh, we certainly did make some course corrections with the business model based on the feedback we got from the market, but we uh, almost ran, ran out of money twice in the process because we, wow. um, and we didn't move, we didn't move fast enough in some of those transitions, but we, I think we, we we skirted through somehow, and um, and now in, in in hindsight, I think we probably would have moved a little quicker with our pivots and sure. um, really listened a little bit more closely to what the market was was asking for. That's such a tricky thing, right? Obviously, looking back, we you 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 have the benefit of of having made it. Um, and that I don't I don't know that much about about startups, but I have to imagine one of the main reasons, if not the main reasons that they fail, probably all businesses just being undercapitalized. So they run out of money and therefore they run out of time. Is that, is that an accurate assessment? Yep. Yeah. So there's uh, a whole movement around this, this concept of a lean startup. Uh, it's been in the last 10 years, it's been pretty, pretty um, well accepted as a practice for building startup companies and uh, the word the word lean comes from the reduction of waste in a process, and when you think about the process of bringing innovation concepts to market, uh, the two things that you waste are time and money. So the lean startup is really a, a methodology, a process, kind of encompasses this fail fast thinking, uh, but the, it's it's a methodology to help reduce reduce the waste of time and reduce the waste of money in the process of bringing a new innovation concept or startup. To market so that's exactly exactly what it is got it with with my perceived extreme interest by the general public in entrepreneurship and side hustles in in just doing your own thing do you think that that's a good thing to be drawing a lot of attention to entrepreneurship 
yeah, I think it's, it's, um, if, if anything, I would say it's, uh, it's, it's a bit over romanticized and it's, uh, it's a lot of hard work. It's, it's not for everyone. It's, uh, um, it's, it's incredibly rewarding. There's the really high highs and the really low lows, but it's, uh, it's not what they make it out to be on the, on the HBO Silicon Valley sitcom, right? It's, <laughs> it's a, uh, <laughs> um, it, it's tough. And when you, when you're running a company and just in the past few years, like we've dealt with, uh, um, we've, we've dealt with, uh, uh, you know, seven figure litig, uh, seven figure litigation. Mm. We've had to deal with, um, we've had to deal with running out of money three times where, you know, all my personal credit cards are completely maxed out and we're not sure how we're going to hit payroll. Um, we've had issues where I had to, you know, let go of, let go of really good friends that I've worked with since high school or college. Um, you know, there's, there's some real, um, low lows in the, in the journey of entrepreneurship that, that, uh, I think everyone needs to be willing to, to be okay with before they get in. But I think it's great that, that it's, um, that everyone's talking about it and it's, it's, it's becoming accessible to anyone. I think that's great. I think it's led to a lot of the exponential technology and exponential innovation we've seen over the past just 10 years. Uh, so I think it's a good thing, but I also think the appropriate disclaimers need to be put on, <laughs> on the right. category because it's, it's not easy. Zach, to that point, what are your, because I, I, I think especially locally, we have a lot of institutions that are pushing this idea of entrepreneurship, to, which to your point is great, but also how do you, I'm curious to, to know what do you feel are the ways or mechanisms to have that disclaimer? Is it just more conversations with students coming out of the university system or folks that are coming to Copax and just saying, hey, this isn't going to be easy. Do you feel like that's the way to do it? And do you feel like they're there's an avenue for more of that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of, um, uh, I, th- I think it, it needs to start with, with, with the universities and even the, even the high schools. And we're seeing more and more entrepreneurship education get built into even high school programs, which is, I, I think it's, it's great. Um, but we, we need to be careful not to make it look like, Startups are, hey, you've got a, you've got a great, you've got a great app idea. You go build it. You raise hundreds of millions of dollars in venture capital. You move to San Francisco. You've got a team of thousands of people. You IPO the company, and um, you know you, you follow the Zuckerberg story. And that's unfortunately, I think everyone needs to understand that that's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent of the the actual entrepreneurial success stories, um, or even entrepreneurial stories in general. So. I just think it's uh, um, it's something that I think we need to be a little bit more realistic about. We I'm, I'm seeing a lot of it. When I was in college and in 2005 to 2010, the 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 cool thing with entrepreneurship was this idea of bootstrapping, which is don't raise any money, um, use your customers to fund the development of the business, and find ways to get discounts and barter and trade and that was like the cool, sexy thing to do. And then um, right after the recession was over, all of a sudden the cool, sexy thing to do was, was come up with a great idea, put a pitch deck together, do a bunch of competitions, and then go raise venture capital. Hmm. And um, I think that's where things started to go a little south. I think it, 
you know, the, the, the right way to think about entrepreneurship. You have to be willing to go and grind and bootstrap and, and sell your way through growth. And I think that that's a really key principle that I think universities for a while there stopped talking about. Um, and that's, that's something I think we need to, we need to address. And to your point, Zach, I think it's, um, whenever I speak to students who are interested in like starting a venture, um, <clears throat> to your point earlier, it's, it's telling them that unless you have, you know, wealthy parents or a wealthy spouse, like it's going to be hard. Um, money's just not going to be there. So you have to figure out how you're going to not only sustain your business, but how are you going to make rent or how are you going to pay off your student loans or do you, do you want to travel? Because all that money has to come from somewhere. And to your point earlier, exactly. I'm like, I'm like on Silicon Valley, it's going to, it's going to be a while before that happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the, the days of just building a pitch deck and going to Sand Hill Road and pitching an idea and getting a ton of VC money, uh, that's just not how the world works. And I don't expect it to, to work like that anytime soon. So uh, Got it. I think if we, if we remove that fantasy from the, from the storybook, I think all of a sudden people have a much more realistic <laughs> view of what entrepreneurship is. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that very much. So we've mentioned or um, we've mentioned San Francisco, Sand Hill Road a couple of times, but why, why Phoenix? Why, why have you chosen to, to, to invest your time and your energy and why have you been the CEO of this, this awesome company here, here in the Valley versus Austin or Boston or New York or whatever? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, entrepreneurship is, is everywhere. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to be in one of these big technology startup hubs to, to build a successful technology company anymore. Uh, 10, 20 years ago, you, you, you sort of did. You had to be in one of those, one of those markets to, to, to do anything really incredible. But we're seeing just in the past few years, we've seen a lot of um, uh, Steve Case, the founder of AOL, started something called the Rise of the Rest Movement um, and of empowering these flyover cities around the country uh, to get into entrepreneurship. And I think we're starting to see the emergence of a lot of second tier markets as technology hubs. Uh, Phoenix is one, one great example. And I, I think, I think we're, you know, the, the reason I, I live in Phoenix, I, I love the city. It's an easy place to live. Um, I, I chose it more for the lifestyle. And I think we've got an incredible community of supporters, both in, in tech and in business, just in general and around, around Phoenix. Uh, so we've, we've been, we've been really, We've been really blessed to be to be here. I think we're uh, um, the the tagline that we have for our community is the most generous startup community, and I would say anyone that spends some time in Phoenix will find that it's uh, it's a community that you can show up to, and within a couple of weeks you'll you'll get introduced to everyone, and everyone will be really open to uh, welcome you into the uh, into the ecosystem. Awesome, I love it. Centauri, what else? What have we forgotten? Uh, Zach, I don't think we actually asked you kind of give us quickly like your journey. What were you an entrepreneur yourself? Um, what attracted you to this? Kind of gave the folks a little bit more about you. Yeah, so I grew up in Ohio. I uh, grew up in northern Ohio, small town. I started a computer repair business, quote unquote business, uh, when I was really in like junior high school. So I would go around and fix computers for friends and family. And then that started to, to lead into fixing computers for businesses. And then that led into 
uh, doing web web design and web development for businesses, and that led to uh, my first business, my first real business, which was web hosting. So we started to realize that uh, when we got into the web design business, that you could uh, make this really interesting, make money, um, recurring revenue using using web hosting, and we kind of fell into this whole recurring revenue business model accidentally, and you get checks every month and you didn't have to do a whole lot of work to get the checks every month. And they came every month and, um, ended up building that business through high school, um, continued to build the, the business through college. We got uh, built the team up to a team of 12 through, uh, through college when I was uh, going to school at Ohio Northern university, not far from where I grew up and, um, ended up moving headquarters, the business to Columbus, shortly before finishing my undergraduate degree. And then we, um, uh, we actually ended up pitching the business at one of these um, university kind of student pitch competitions. It was called the Google Student Entrepreneur Awards. And one of the judges from the, uh, the competition in Kansas City actually pulled, pulled us aside and, and uh, put an offer on the table to buy the company. So we, we sold the company in 2011 uh, to a Scottsdale firm. And that's how we ended up uh, moving from Ohio to Phoenix. So there were 12 of us. We all moved from Ohio to Phoenix together. And, uh, and that was in like you know, early 2011. So did that. We had an employment contract. We finished out the employment contract with the company that bought ours. Um, and then ended up leaving about a year, a year after. And that's when, uh, that's when I ended up joining Coplex in, in 2012. Nice. No thoughts of going back to Northern Ohio, Zach? What was that? No thoughts of going back to Northern Ohio? Oh, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's a good place to be from. Got it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. I, I don't miss the cold. No, I'm from Northern Minnesota, so I, I, I totally get it. I totally get it, man. Well, hey, hey any any final thoughts, any advice to, to would-be entrepreneurs, and then tell us about if you are somebody who has an idea, whether you're working inside of a large organization as an entrepreneur, or you're working full-time and have a new idea, or you're working on something uh, full-time that is a startup, how, how, how best to get involved and engage with Coplex? Yeah. Yeah, so I'd say anyone anyone thinking about kind of jumping into this entrepreneurial journey, there's uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, there's you know, obviously you can start your own thing. You can find find ways to be entrepreneurial and and do innovative things within your your current business. Um, there's ways to you know, join technology companies or venture backed companies that are growing. We're we're seeing even even more and more of those in places like Phoenix, where we've got dozens and dozens and dozens of you know, well-funded, high-growth venture-backed or venture-backed companies. There's there's a lot of ways to get involved and get a taste. It's it's not for everyone. I I love it. I could probably, um, I don't think I could ever do anything else. But it is, you know, it's a lot of work. And I think this this um, this fantasy of hey, I've got a great idea and someone's going to give me a whole bunch of money to go build it. I think that you have to throw away. Um, you you've really got to be willing to to hustle and sell and grind to get by and go without rent for a couple months or, or, you know, have a rich uncle to get these things off the ground. So it's not easy. Uh, there's some creative ways to get these things financed, but um, definitely I would encourage you, if you've got the entrepreneurial itch, find a way to, to do it within your company or potentially outside of your company. So 
that'd be my lecture on entrepreneurship. And then if you, um, you know, if you have any great ideas or you're working with a, an organization that might be interested in, in corporate innovation, uh, we're really easy to get a hold of coplex.com, C O P L E X.com. And uh, my email is Zach C A C H at coplex.com. And you can find me on all of the, uh, all the social media outlets of your, of your choosing. Excellent. Centauri, anything else? No, that was great. Thanks, Zach, for sharing with us. I think you have a really unique perspective on entrepreneurship and what Coplex is doing is um, pretty innovative in and of itself. So thanks for spending the time with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, thank you, Zach. And thanks, as always, for listening. Please do share the show with a friend who you think would enjoy today's episode. Please do leave us a review and subscribe. And as always, keep questioning because struggle is real. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.